This podcast series is brought to you by the Upcycled Food Association, building a food system in which all food reaches its highest and best use. To learn more about becoming a member or to support the UFA by making a charitable donation, visit upcycledfood.org. Look for the Upcycled product certification launching this year. And thanks to our sponsor, Net Zero, a food upcycler that uses proprietary technology to recover and reharvest food byproducts into safe, nutritious, upcycled ingredients that are good for the planet and consumers. You can find out more at netzro.us. Powering Earth's food forward. We are the first pet brand to be standing for upcycling and having that be our uh, sustainability, like having sustainability in that way be a pillar for our our brand. Besides that, I'm also starting to think more about how else we can incorporate sustainable practices. And it's a big undertaking. Too good to waste. Too good to waste. Way too good to waste. Too good to waste, absolutely. Hi, and welcome to the podcast series, Too Good to Waste. I'm your host, Kevin May, and together we're going on an adventure to explore some of the fun and creative and innovative ways that lots of people are doing their part to help find a higher value in unused food and food byproducts that might otherwise be wasted. So thanks for joining me. Let's go see if we can find out about some of these things that are too good to waste. Well, here we are, 2021. Welcome. We made it into a new year. Oh, man. In some ways, it feels good. In some ways, there's still a lot of unknown. So uh, we'll just take it as it comes. But what I'm excited about is this is our first full episode of the new year. And we have a wonderful guest on the show today. And why I'm so excited is I have always been a dog lover. So I don't know about you, but if you're a pet lover, you've got a dog or a cat or any other type of pet, you know what it's like to reward them with a really tasty treat, right? Well, what if that treat could not only be good for your pet, but also good for the environment, good for the planet? Hmm, interesting, right? And more than just talking about these pet treats, have you ever wondered perhaps what it's like to start your own company and create something like this? Where do these ideas come from and how do you take them to market? Well, that's what we're going to get into today with my guest, Alex Waite. Now, Alex is a food product developer with a successful and extensive history of formulating, commercializing, and launching innovative food products in the natural and organic industry, and she's also gotten into pet products. Now, a few years ago, she and a partner launched Shameless Pets. Shameless Pets is a company that uses upcycling to turn ingredients that may have otherwise been lost or wasted into outrageously good pet treats. She not only has a background in food science, but she is also a certified professional coach. So I'm curious, and we're going to find out a little more about how that experience might play into starting and growing a business. Alex, it's a real pleasure to welcome you to our very first episode of 2021. Happy New Year. Thank you, Kevin. Happy New Year. Off to an exciting start. Yeah, we sure are. I'm just curious, do you start with resolutions or some kind of traditions? What do you like to do to get a new year started? You know, historically, I have done some writing of goals down, um, but I'm kind of of the mind frame that I don't 
really need an excuse to like make a change. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I think that if you really want to make a change, I don't, I, I don't think that a day of the year makes much of a difference for me. It's more just kind of putting some thoughts and pen to paper and, uh, you know, we're taking a step forward, I guess. But, uh, this year I don't, I don't have anything written down, but, um, you know, I do think about these types of things often enough to where, uh, I think that this year should be exciting. Yeah. And kind of coming out of last year, how do you feel just kind of energetically and all as far as a start to 2021? Are you encouraged? Are you excited about some of kind of how you feel putting 2020 behind you and now kind of starting off maybe a little fresh or, or what do you think? That's a really good question. I think I'm still figuring that out. Sure. <laughs> um, I think, uh, you know, uh, obviously 2020 had a lot of events and uh, super grateful that our business has been able to flourish during this time. Um, I know a lot of other people and circumstances are not as fortunate. So I'm, I'm just kind of going into 2021 feeling really grateful for that. And also, uh, you know, encouraged and hopeful that things will change and, and shift. Uh, hopefully some things for the better from what we've learned from last year. And yeah, I'm just trying to stay optimistic and feel, I feel, I think, pretty optimistic at this point. Great. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I am as well. And so let's jump right into your company a little bit. I love the name Shameless sure. Pets. And uh, <laughs> so I, I got to find out the backstory on the name, but also about the business. Just maybe tell us a little bit about how this business came to be and, and what you do. Sure. Yeah. So Thanks for that intro. That was um, really well said. You know, my background is mostly in food product development. Um, I actually, educationally, I would say is more nutrition uh, focused, so dietetics um, and human food. Uh, and so I, I stumbled into the food industry, I would say, about 10 years ago uh, through a company called Mary's Gone Crackers. It's an organic, allergen-friendly snack food company that's, uh, that was based in California. California at the time, which is where I'm from. And I was super fortunate to meet Mary and Dale really actually in my early twenties. And I started through, uh, booth work and marketing projects for them, uh, learning more about the food industry and that upon graduating, uh, from Chico state with my master's, I transitioned into a full-time role with, them in the R and D department that actually didn't exist at the time. It was just me working with Mary uh, and scaling and creating their recipes. So everything from taking a really fun idea of a, a product, like a cracker product or or uh, a snack food item, and then learning how to scale and develop that for the uh, for the factory. And uh, yeah, that was a really good experience for me. It was fun. It was really challenging. I learned so much on the job. And from there, transitioned to a new company in Boston that was a food innovation lab, pretty much doing the same thing, product development. But I, I kind of felt that I, I wanted to expand beyond just being at the, ben at being at the bench uh, level. So just mixing recipes and, and thinking about products in that way, I really wanted to try my hand at expanding to uh, more aspects of the of the food business and um, hence where Shameless Pets came into play um, and where I'm at now having learned a ton so far in my three years doing it. So tell us Shameless Pets, give us a quick little elevator pitch on what the company does, what are the products? 
Yeah, so we make dog treats made from upcycled material, as you described. We work with pre-consumer items, so uh, things that are not touched by any consumers. When people think about food waste, uh, I think sometimes their mind goes to, ooh, like, are you working with the stuff on our plates that's left over? Like, how do you, how do, you do that? But um, we work with uh, the pre-consumer items that are grown at the farm level, so maybe they are too big or too small for the the retail shelf. You hear a lot about imperfect produce or ugly produce. Um, So we work to rescue those types of materials. We also work with, um, here's a good example, like a veggie noodle facility who spiralizes uh, butternut squash. And you see that on the grocery store shelves and what happens to the rest of the butternut. Well, we work with them to take their butternut squash and incorporate that into our our dog treats and prevent it from going to a place like compost or, or even landfill if there's not an alternative solution for that. What was it that kind of got you interested in specifically in creating a dog treat that was using upcycled products? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I, you know, being in the food industry, I think, uh, and, and Mary's Gone Crackers was a a mission-based organization. They created really healthy snacks for um, specifically allergen restricted diets. And then that was being like part of a mission-based organization was always really important to me. Um, and seeing, I think the trends of the industry just starting, you know, 10 years ago, gluten-free was still not really much of a thing. And and just seeing how the food evolution has occurred over the past 10 years, I think the thing that most excited me in my journey was learning about upcycling, um, learning about the products that were starting to come to fruition using, um, actually specifically Regrain was one of the first brands I saw doing it where they were taking spent grain from breweries and incorporating that into their, their, they were making bars at the time and now they have it as like a, a flour type ingredient as well. But that just really excited me to see like, what kind of impact that could do to reducing waste and therefore reducing carbon emissions and uh, greenhouse gases. And so it just like, I don't know, the idea of trying to do something like that, it really excited me and uh, really drove our desire towards, uh, towards incorporating the upcycling concept into our our brand. And how did you move into pet treats? Uh, I'm I'm guessing you (laughs) have a dog. Yeah, dog treats right now, maybe cat treats next year okay. as well. But uh, we, you know, I'm a I'm a huge dog lover. I can say that my dog was probably getting a dog was one of the biggest life changing moments I had in my my, my mid twenties, where I just had this thing that I adopted and was now like the most amazing relationship I'd ever had. So I would say that like I wanted to in- incorporate that kind of fun and relationship into my professional life. I think that that's something that I couldn't um, have asked for anything better, really. <laughs> I know that sounds super cheesy, but it's so true. I love my dog so much. Well, no, I, I've, I've had dogs since I was little as well. And I, I, I get it. I absolutely love dogs. <laughs> and, I mean, I know there are people who don't have quite that same connection or love or passion for, for dogs, sure. maybe, maybe for <laughs> yeah. other animals. But I, I totally understand what you're saying. And I think anybody who, who is a pet lover will also appreciate that. But it's kind of neat when, so your background in food science, obviously you're doing a lot of food development work. And then, like I said, at some point, the light bulb must've gone off and said, okay, now I'm going to create something, but I'm going to do something for my pet and not only for my pet, but also 
for the world, for the planet. And so that is kind of neat. Do you remember when that all kind of came together? Honestly, like I, I don't know about you, but at home or when you've had a dog or anyone that's had a dog, like when I'm chopping my vegetables at home, Mm -hmm. the first thing I do is like, oh, I'll chop off the, you know, the carrot nub or the ends of my cucumber. And my dog loves them. Like absolutely loves eating them as snacks. And so when I was doing that at home, it, it just made me think like, huh, like I don't want this carrot top or, you know, I don't like this end of the cucumber cause it has a, a texture that's a, maybe not as pleasurable for me, but my dog like loves it. And it actually is really good for her. She's eating a low calorie snack and she loves, she is indistinguishable for her compared to any other treats I really give her. And so that was really the light bulb that went off where, hey, I think our pets could actually be part of this movement and part of the solution to uh, our food waste challenges. Because, you know, in production, things get wasted for silly reasons like that. Maybe the, you know, it's not the right size or it's not the right shape, or maybe it's a cut off of a piece of carrot because they're taking the skin off or something like that, that could actually add up over time and create one huge amounts of waste. And and two, there's actually like ways to use this material. It's just like the other parts of the carrot, right? There's nothing wrong with it. So how do we create a solution in that realm? That's such a cool idea. And when you're developing a pet food type product or a pet treat in this case, what are the differences? I'm, I'm just thinking in my mind, kind of the wheels are turning and I'm thinking, okay, wait a minute. I get when you're creating a food product, you can sample it yourself and kind of do testing and development and more development on that. How do you do that for pet food? So, yeah, I know. I didn't know how to do that either <laughs> when I started. So um, it's really, uh, you know, we started with biscuits, which I will say are kind of like making a, a cracker or even a cookie at home. And so that's, that was a, a recipe that I made in my kitchen in my tiny, tiny studio apartment in Boston, actually. Um, so I would, you know, mix together recipes. I would bake it in my oven and there's my, my dog Madison. Uh, and I'd be like, Hey, let's give this a try. <laughs> let's see what you think. Um, and I actually, true story, ended up walking around, Boston and talking to other dog parents, uh, you know, I, I'd go up and say, Hey, can I give your dog a treat? And they, most of the time, I know it sounds so awkward and it kind of was, but most of the times people love, they lay it up when they talk about their dogs. They love to like engage with people with about their dogs for the most part. Sometimes, you know, you're like, Oh, leave me alone. But, uh, most people are really just excited to engage with you about their dog. And, and so I give them a treat and, you know, nine times out of 10, the dogs would be all into it. So I think I was on the right track after, after doing that. And I think, um, there are, you know, palatability studies, I call them. So ways that you can, um, use it in a controlled set, like have a controlled setting where you're testing animals reactions to different, um, recipes and whatnot, but those are generally really expensive to do. And, you know, any startup doesn't really have the money to do that. And, um, it's mostly like friends and families, like going to the dog park, those types of things to just, to see, you know, how dogs are responding. You remind me of an experience I had, and it was kind of the reverse of that. We were at a park last summer sitting on a bench. I was doing a bike ride or something, and I'm just sitting there and a woman came up to me and actually handed me a dog treat and said, 
hey, would you mind giving my dog this treat? I'm trying to socialize my dog. <laughs> so, it was like, so I get it. I get the kind of the, awesome. the, okay, wait a minute. And I was like, uh, is this a trick question or something or what's going on here? But no, I, I can see you doing that in Boston and see some funny looks, but I, I, I agree. I mean, dog lovers and people who, you know, who appreciate dogs, they totally, that makes perfect sense. And uh, yep. I'm glad you got some good uh, research field study uh, data by doing that. Um, tell me a little bit about the products. What are what are some of the flavors of dog treats that you've developed now that you currently have on the market? Our most popular flavor, um, and I would say the most unique flavor we have is our lobster rollover. It's a it's a soft baked biscuit. Um, all of our biscuits are soft in texture, so mm-hmm. they can be broken fairly easily. Easily, um, we learned fairly early on. I had some crunchy biscuits I started with, and some soft, but the crunchies were not easy for people to break and people like to like control that portion size or maybe their dog's missing teeth or a little bit older. So all of our biscuits are soft. Um, our lobster rollover is uh, real lobster items. It's not a flavor. It's actual real lobster. And we mix it with other plant-based flower type ingredients. And uh, yeah, it, it's dogs seem to go crazy for it. It's people are like, it's one of those that they stop to look at because it's unique. And yeah. when their dogs have it, it seems like people's, the dog's responses is that they really love it. But we have a mixture of like, you know, plant-based items as well for those that maybe their dog doesn't, you know, our dogs don't need a hundred percent of their diet coming from, from meat. So uh, we have some vegan options some vegetarian options, um, some meat-based options. We try to have something for, um, not just the dog's preferences, but too for like, you know, the person's individual belief systems and how they, how they like to eat themselves or feed their pet. So I'm looking at your website right now and I have mm-hmm. to give you huge credit for creativity on, mar- on the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, kind of the, the naming and the packaging and all, I, I mean, these names, I'm not going to read them all off, but you, you definitely will have to send everybody to your website, which is shamelesspets.com and go under shop. And I mean, blueberry treasure, break an egg, um, clucking carrots. I mean, so is this you coming up with all of these? We have a us founders, I would say, um, a small group. And then now that we have a few employees, we're all part of the the naming strategy. Um, It's it's not as scientific. It's more like, hey, let's uh, riff off each other or something pretty witty. And um, some are better than others, I will say. Like lobster rollover is is a classic. It's Mm -hmm. one of my favorites. yeah, we be salmon. We just launched a calming chew that uh, I, I just think it's it's cute. It's fun, and people either laugh or shake their heads, like "Huh, like what?" <laughs> but yeah. it's definitely unique and quirky, and I think that's you know just us trying to be authentic to who we are. When you talk about upcycling, so now these products have upcycled ingredients in them, is that right? And so what, I mean, how does that work? What percentage of it is upcycled? Like you mentioned, the lobster, for instance, has real lobster in it. Is it the lobster that's upcycled or is it more of a base kind of the product that um, has the base of it is is primarily upcycled ingredients and then you add other things to that? Yeah, um, I will say that Yes, it's lobster for our lobster rollover. Uh, we have some ingredients we use as a base in all of our biscuits. Mm-hmm. Sunflower is an upcycled ingredient that we work with as well. It's uh, sunflower seeds that have been pressed for oil, and the seed that's behind is actually a really uh, 
uh, high protein, high, good amount of fiber, healthy fats. Uh, it's called a byproduct, but people have such a connotation around the byproduct name. So I try to avoid that term, but it is a, a leftover from, um, from production that is, uh, acts as a flower in a lot of our, in all of our biscuits. Um, we use about, our goal is always to be about 30% of our recipes mm-hmm. as upcycled. Uh, it's for our products, not possible to really be a hundred percent upcycled unless we did like a single ingredient treat, which right. maybe in the future, like a freeze dried sweet potato or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but our goal is around 30%. Some are higher. Some we have up to 40%, uh, and 25 maybe at the lowest, but that's kind of our, our range for inclusion. And, and we do work towards increasing that. Like when we launched, we ha- we were at about a 10% inclusion. And then over time we re- redeveloped them to be having a higher amount of upcycled product. That's fantastic. And so a lot of people who maybe, you know, our regular listeners and followers on this podcast understand in general what upcycling is um, mm-hmm. and what the benefits of upcycling are. But for you, you developed a new product. You're kind of new to new, new in an existing industry, we'll say. I mean, the pet food and pet treats that's been around for a long time. But you've got a unique twist on it in that you're bringing this upcycled product into a market that already existed how do you differentiate yourself and how do you how have you been able to communicate the benefits of upcycling to the people who are buying your treats that help them understand how unique it really is and what it is they're doing when they're buying it because i'm guessing the dogs are going to love all of your treats across the board for the most part and don't really understand the upcycling concept of it they just love the treats so it's really going to be the owners and the buyers right yeah you're 100 percent right when we're it's like pet food and baby food similarly, right? Mm-hmm. You're, right, you're right. making it for that consumer that's actually the end user, the pet or the baby, but it's the adult, the the person that's buying that product. And yeah. um, we are the first pet brand to be standing for upcycling and having that be our uh, sustainability, like having sustainability in that way be a pillar for our, our brand. Um, retailers, uh, love it. They think that it's a really cool concept. I've had, we've had retailers that actually say like, come to us and say, Hey, like we have waste too. And can we work with you to reduce that Mm -hmm. through your products? And so we've actually done that with salmon skins is a good example. Um, we've taken a retailer salmon skin that was left over, um, from filleting their fresh salmon. And we incorporated that salmon skin into our, uh, salmon says butternut jerky treat. So that, that was a fun, fun turn of events when we worked with a a retailer in that way. Um, I would say that the consumers, 95% of them don't know what upcycling is. Um, they, they still don't understand, um, you know, and even recent testing that we've done, <laughs> upcycling has been very confusing for people. It's been yeah. a really big challenge, not just for our brand, but I think across all brands on what upcycling is and how to communicate that message. And I wish that I had a like, hey, this is what worked for us. But I would say mm-hmm. that we're still like figuring out um, how to communicate that. And then in terms of like the benefit for the pet parent, our goal was to really make this an easy choice for people. I, mm-hmm. I, 
make upcycling and being more sustainable in small ways, right, in your own life. I wanted it to make it easy for people to just be like, oh, I can do, I can give my dog a treat, but I can also like reduce food waste at the same time. Like that's actually really cool. It just is a fun happenstance. And for us, like the the products that we use and ingredients that we use, some of them are actually really tied to great pet health like our lobster is rich in glucosamine naturally um it's a natural occurring in the lobster shells that that are there and ground down um and so that glucosamine is good for hip and joint health for pets and eggshells another example we work with egg breaking facilities and egg processors to take their eggshell and, and grind it down mill it down um and that's a natural source of calcium for for dogs and so it, i think that you know trying to tie in these ingredients that are also really good for pets is really what our goal, our goal is as well. Yeah, that's, that's great. And so you mentioned kind of doing some studies. Have you done some focus group testing, um, work with anybody kind of just to test out any of your buyers or potential buyers to see how, how much they know about it or if they know about it? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> okay. There's got to be more to <laughs> <Yeah>. that answer. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, you know, maybe a year ago I did about um, 30 customer calls, maybe 50 customer calls where mm-hmm. I would uh, tapped into our top customers, the people that bought from our website the most often and asked them if I could just chat with them. Um, and so that was our first, I think, focus group, uh, non-scientific focus group. And most people did not buy our products for upcycling, to be totally frank. They, mm-hmm. they, once they bought our products because they, uh, they thought it was a fun brand. They, they like trying varieties of treats and maybe stumbled across us on a Facebook ad or something like that. And then once they found out about what we were doing through our packaging or through their own research on our website, they got really excited and it seems to be a driving factor for them to come back and be reoccurring customers. Um, we have tried different ways of talking about uh, upcycling and have had some challenges. I would say we would talk about like imperfect items or neglected or underused Mm -hmm. items and people just hated that. (laughs) So um, we're still trying to figure out what the right language is. Um, We love the idea of maybe talking about surplus as being like extra, like extra Mm -hmm. items that are available that just haven't been utilized to their fullest extent. And so that's something that we're, we're testing out right now. If anyone else listening has some ideas or feedback, feel free to reach out. Well, it's, you know, and what strikes me as you're saying that is one of, I think one of the keys to your success or the success of your company may be, it probably already is and will continue to be hopefully is word of mouth because Mm -hmm. once somebody, you know, if I'm buying a, a dog treat that my dogs love and I like, and then all of a sudden I find out something more about it, that not only is this good for my dog, but it's good for the planet. And I understand that. I think I'd be more likely to tell my friends, hey, if you're buying dog treats and those I will then become an advocate for this because it's got a higher purpose more than just being a good dog treat. Most people don't tell their friends, hey, I got a dog treat. It's great. You know, your dog might like it. But this is a story behind it, which I think is really cool. Have you heard of any things like that? Have you been gotten any feedbacks and hey, you know, somebody told me about this and I love your story. And is that coming back to you from time to time? Are you getting that kind of feedback? 
We are. Yeah. We do get people that like will reach out and be like, Hey, I want to buy like some products for the holidays in particular. Like, Hey, I want to get some dog treats for my family, uh, to stuff in their stockings and can you help me out by, you know, making my package a little special or something like something like that. So we did get some people, we do get people that reach out and let us know. Um, and even in doing like we, we did some Costco work as well. Like we went into some Costco stores and we did what's called a road show where we stood there and, uh, sold our product and talked to probably thousands of people that just walked into the stores and, um, you know, once people understood upcycling, they were super excited about it and, uh, you know, would come back and say, we've had people actually come back at the Costco stores like the next day to come either buy more or just to talk about how much their dog loved the product. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I think people, like I said, they, people like to do the, the good thing in terms of sustainability. And I think, um, making it easy in, in the form of a pet treat is, is really what we were hoping to achieve. Yeah. I mean, it's, you've obviously done it and, um, I, you know, whatever we can do to help get the word, that's why I was excited to have you on the podcast because we're trying to get this, you know, this story and the, your story and other stories out to a wider audience and do what we can to help really educate and broaden the awareness of what upcycling really is and how it can, benefit and how basically how the consumers can make a, a choice and have the power in their hands by the products that they buy. And if you're going to buy a dog yeah, treat, sure. why wouldn't you buy one that actually has a higher purpose than just giving your dog something kind of fun? So now that we're into 2021, we talked about this at the top of the show a little bit about looking forward. What's on the horizon for Shameless Pets? What what are you kind of, uh, what, what are your goals for 2021? If you don't mind, I'm just curious a little bit about where you're going um, with the company in in the coming year? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good question. And it's exciting for us to have made it as far as we have and, uh, and to hopefully continue to expand. Um, this year we have some really big retailer launches that we're excited about. Um, we did just launch in Petco a couple years ago, a couple years, a couple weeks ago. Mm. Um, and not in all Petco's, there's like a, a test that we're doing. And if we do well in those stores, then we can be in all, you know, all of Petco's hopefully at, towards the middle or end of the year. Um, so that's something that's a, a big deal for us. Um, we also have a, a launch coming up in Walmart uh, this May, I believe. Um, so most Walmart stores will be carrying at least one of our, our products, um, which is, it's huge for us and yeah. to get our hands distributed nationwide or our products distributed nationwide is really what our goal is this year and everything we've been working towards, um, the past couple years. Um, besides that, I mean, I'm just, I'm also starting to think more about holistically about sustainability for our brand and mm-hmm. how else we can incorporate sustainable practices and, uh, it's a big undertaking actually to, to look really critically at all aspects of your business and to see where you're falling short and where you could do better. Um, so that's something that I'm really excited to tackle, um, this year beyond just our supply chain. It's really as a business and as a brand, how can we be better? And, uh, and that's, I think, going to be a big focus for us and for me this year, for sure. I think that's such a great part about not only how you incorporate the upcycling and sustainability into the products that you're making, but now really taking that and 
incorporating that into all aspects of your business. So it'll be fun to watch you know, throughout the year, see how your business is progressing. And just for people who are looking for your products, you mentioned a couple of things. You mentioned Petco and Walmart. Um, Obviously, I think you're selling online as well. What are some of the other ways people can find your products? I think the easiest way nationwide would be uh, we're on Amazon, we're on Chewy, we're on our website. Um, We also have a, a really good relationship with Grove Collaborative, um, they've been awesome for us uh, in tapping into a, a sustainably minded consumer. Um, we we do sell at some stores, like, but it's so hard because we're in some regions and not in mm-hmm. others, and so yeah. it's tough to say. But um, I would say, you know, so hopefully by the end of next year, we'll be in a lot of different grocery stores as well. So that's what we're we're working on right now. That sounds like some great goals for 2021, and I'm sure you're going to have great success with all of that. Sounds like your company is really on a good trajectory. And one of the things that a lot of people are curious about is how long does it take to get to this point? You just described that you're getting into some national distribution and all. When did you actually start the company? We started mid in concept mid 2017 so it's about okay. three and a half years in the making so three and a half years it sounds like you've come a long way in a relatively short period of time for a new business like this and now it looks like you're just kind of on the edge of making pretty much uh, i mean a pretty significant leap in kind of going to the next stage with national distribution and things like that what what is that like for you as a as a business owner as an entrepreneur to kind of be facing this next level of expansion it's stressful yeah. okay <laughs> it's, it's, no it is it is it's uh you know it's uh you're, I think being an entrepreneur just from the start, it's always, it, it was like, you know, can I do this? Do I have what it takes? And what does it even take? I don't even know what this thing is, you know, going to take out of me. And, um, you know, getting to this point was uh, you just every day are like, I don't know where this is going to go or how it's going to go. And just being comfortable with that when it's not really that comfortable, you know, especially in times where like 2020, when you're like, what's going on? But this year, I think, uh, you know, I think we've in a way proven our concept, right? Where it's like, do people like this or do people not like it up until this point? And clearly there's customers that are really excited about our brand and our product. And so we've gotten over, I think, that proof of concept hurdle. Mm -hmm. Um, And now it's about expanding the team, expanding our distribution. And um, and it's. It, it can be really hard, but it's also, I think personally, just really rewarding. You know, I think I'm learning a ton every single day and I'm challenged every single day. And I, I, I would say, you know, I'm very like, it's one of those things where some days you're like, oh, I don't wish, I wish it was a little simpler. And then it's like, but if it were, would I like that? I don't know. I don't think I would be into a, an easy day to day. And so I'm, again, just kind of grateful for, for the experience and riding the train of wherever, wherever this is heading. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, is there definitely, do you feel like, uh, you have, you have a team, it's you and, and, and a team of employees and partners in there. Um, do you all ever hit this wall? Like you said of, okay, we're venturing into the unknown. We know where we need to go, but we don't exactly know how we're going to get there. Is that fair? Does that happen from time to time? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I have a a co-founder, his name is James. Um, you know, we've over the past few years learned how to, um, 
obviously how to work together and, you know, he's a great, he's an amazing sounding board. You know, if there's a challenge or a problem and he's our, he's our acts as our CEO of the, of the business. And, um, I think what, what being an entrepreneur is like is problem solving every day, right? That's you're, you're getting really good at figuring out how to, how to solve challenges and problems every day. And, you know, the more you utilize, or exercise that, um, the stronger that muscle gets. So, um, we've been really fortunate to have, I think, you know, James has been great in that leadership way as well. And, um, the team is, we're super transparent with everyone. You know, we, we believe that we want everyone to be on this ride with us. We don't really hold back when something's not, you know, going in a direction we need or want. And, um, and because of that, I think the team is really, they're one, they're really appreciative. There's not really any like, you know, behind the scenes things going on that they don't know about. Right. Like everyone's involved. And, um, I think they have, as a result, have like ownership over where things are heading and, um, are, I think I like to think that they're excited about it. Um, but you know, it, every day it just kind of figure it out. I think, um, there's no path. You just kind of, you do it. <laughs> yeah. And, and you've been, as you said, you kind of got to start a while back with Mary's Gone Crackers, with being involved mm-hmm. in other companies that were sort of, whether they were startup companies or established companies and kind of being on the inside. And then you take on Shameless Pets, which now it's your baby, your responsibility, and you're yeah. running with it. And, you know, the reason I'm touching on this a little bit is that I know a lot of people, especially in this upcycled space, there are a lot of new products that are coming to market, new innovations that are coming to market, and then a lot of new opportunities that are coming as well. And it does attract entrepreneurs. And yet along with being an entrepreneur comes a lot of challenges. And I think when you and I were talking before, we talked a little bit about, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, about you having this vision when you were younger about this glamorous idea of being an entrepreneur and Mm -hmm. that it was just what it was going to be like. And now having done it, looking back at what you thought it was, was that accurate? What were were there some surprises along the way? Yeah, lots of them. Um, You know, I think uh, I hadn't really seen something. I mean, my family, they're small business owners. So I mm-hmm. definitely got to see them go through an experience entrepreneurial, uh, in an entrepreneurial way. Um, but I didn't outside of like my household, I hadn't really seen anything get been involved with too many people that had started something really from scratch. Um, but when I looked at like startups, I, I don't know, I guess I, the most, startups that I engage with or, or saw or looked into, it was, they were at least like three to five years out. Like they had done the, like gr- the super hard grind and they have come to some level of success. And then, but they were still like a startup. They were still like a young company, but you know, they were at this point where they had like employees and things were like, like set up and things were going in a certain direction. So I think that my vision was like that, Oh, I get to like call the shots and things are like my way. And, you know, I, I guess, yeah, that's true. But then, um, it's there, you know, I'm not sipping, having coffee, sitting at a coffee shop, having coffee with somebody every day, like just kind of being relaxed. It's like every day I'm doing the grind of the day to day. And at least where we are right now, we, I, 
am not just managing people and situations, but I'm also doing the day-to-day stuff. And that can be um, a lot. I haven't gotten to a point where we have a fully established team and that I just kind of sit back and manage, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I mentioned early on, you know, one of the things that I read about you and doing a little bit of research was that you are a certified professional coach. And I'm just curious, in the process of doing that, of learning and getting your certification, were there things that you learned through that process that have now helped you you might say, like, say, be a better entrepreneur. In other words, in this process now over the last three and a half years with Shameless Pets, were there some things that you were able to tap into, some tools that you could lean on to really kind of help you manage when you get to certain roadblocks or obstacles or challenges in the business development side of things? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the coaching experience for me, um, it was an exercise in learning vulnerability. Mm. And I think as an entrepreneur and having co-founders and partners and um, friends and family, you know, that are supporting on the side, like being vulnerable and talking about like how I'm feeling or what's going on. And, um, and those things have been helpful, at least for my mental health in the process, you know, mm-hmm. um, I would say in terms of like skills that I, I learned were around mostly around communication. You know, I think, uh, for us, like for James and I, for example, like we talk every single day and I have to be like super honest with him about sometimes things that I maybe like, you know, maybe a colleague you wouldn't be as honest or vulnerable about, but with a co-founder, it's like that next level of like, here's what's going on and what I'm feeling and, you know, leaning on each other in a different way. Um, I think that when it gets super hard and sometimes I wake up and I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Um, it's really been helpful for me to check in on my values. And Mm. that's where the coaching experience I think was really important for me to learn about my values and what's important to me in that way. And that helps me kind of steer my own ship. Um, if you will, (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, I, you know, I, what I'm hearing, I'm just jotting down some notes because as we're starting off a new year, I do know a lot of people try to create a vision for the new year or, you know, do something new. And what you just shared, three things I just wrote down, which I really, you know, they, they resonate with me is the vulnerability, communication and values. And so those are really uh, sound like some key tools to incorporate. The other thing that you just mentioned, which really kind of struck me was a lot of people, you're right. I think either we would be inclined to start a business by ourselves and then we're kind of isolated and running and we're trying to, you know, have that inner dialogue back and forth about, should I do this? Should I not do this? Or you start with somebody else. And you said something so key is the, the ability that you and James have to really be, you know, kind of completely honest and trust and vulnerable. Uh, sounds like it's something that's a key to success for you guys. And um, obviously something that's pretty important so that you're able to all really move in the same direction. Do you feel that that also allows you to support one another when sometimes one person may be feeling it a little more than the other? Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. Yeah. And I, you know, I will say that it hasn't been like all rainbows and butterflies either, you know, like it's been hard and challenging for, at least for me to be 
able to be in that way, you know, with someone and to, um, yeah. And I think that it's been a work in progress and things that we are, we definitely continue to think about and talk about and, um, yeah, be open about, I think is the, the key in that way. The other thing I wanted to mention as a tool, cause I just came to mind that was like super helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of values, I think it's sometimes we don't know how to identify them and mm-hmm. figure out like, what is that? That's really important. Um, and there's this exercise I learned in my coaching course called the peak experience. Okay. Um, and it, you got, anyone can Google about it and it, there's a ton of information, but basically it's, you take something in your life that was, that you consider a peak experience, something that you felt you're most alive and you, you describe that in as much do you like close your eyes, you think about it, you kind of transform or transport yourself back to that moment and you, you, you're kind of just trying to go through that experience all over again. Um, and the coaching class, we, we shared our peak experience with a group and then the group would then kind of pick out things that they're noticing about that experience, like anything that makes you light up or gets you really excited or, um, any words you use repeatedly or often, but this can also be done. You can record it yourself or do it in a journal and go back and look at it and be like, oh, wow. Like, like for me, I, I love adventure. Like I'm an adventure girl and my peak experiences were like me climbing Mount Shasta and, and like describing that. And so there's things that I pulled out of that, that helped me kind of remember what my value system are or value system is. Mm-hmm. And then once you identify it, you can kind of look at where you are today and check how you are as at expressing that value. Like on a scale of one to 10, am I like, I'm actually like a two on adventure right now or three, mm-hmm. you know, which isn't, I'm not expressing this value as much in my life as I really feel like I want to be or should be. But on these other values, I'm actually at a 10. So like maybe I can try to find a better balance. And that's, I think with a new year, like when you talk about this new year and goals, going through that exercise of where am I at with my values? Where am I out of whack? And how do I want to make some adjustments to see if I can incorporate more of the things that are really important to me? Yeah. Wow. I I love that. I was visualizing a couple of things as you were describing that. And the other thing that came to my mind was, you know, with the experience that we've all gone through around the world with COVID since last March, that's probably been something that's also really kind of magnified or um, amplified where we may not be in alignment with our values if we're really uncomfortable or where we may not be able to. Like you said, I'm adventurous as well. And it was the most uncomfortable thing to actually almost have a month and a half off, which I haven't had for decades and not be able to go anywhere. You know, and and that's my thing is I love travel. And I was like, wait a minute, I've got time off, but I can't go anywhere. So then how can I find a way to incorporate adventure, even if it's local adventure into what it is that I'm doing? So I love that example. And this is really, really great advice. Um, 
And, uh, you know, I think I, I certainly appreciate it. I think everybody else will. And this is a really nice tool to just kind of, as you say, start off the new year, something that uh, a, a simple exercise that we can do. And it's actually a fun exercise. It's kind of like going through your phone, yeah. the uh, photos in your phone. And, oh, yeah, I remember that. And that's actually totally. something that I do at the end of the year as I go back through the last year's worth of photos and I find something and instantly, just like you described, you get these feelings that were attached to that experience. Definitely. So. And you, it's great that you're, the next key is just noticing it, right? Right. I think that incorporating that noticing is, uh, you know, the next step from there. And um, yeah, I don't mean to sound preachy as if like, this is everything I haven't figured out, but I definitely, like, I've had these things that have been so helpful for me. And whenever I start feeling a little squirrely or off, I return to them as being ways to just check in and notice what's going on and um and hopefully uh that awareness maybe creates some sort of change for me yeah and i, and I don't you know and i don't think it's preachy at all and what i look at and what's fun about this is that's why i like asking these questions and kind of getting into it is every, it's not a one size fits all there's two, there's tons right. of tools out there um some people you know like the hammer some people like a saw whatever your favorite tool sure. may be whatever works for you but the more we can share our tools um the more they may resonate with somebody and what you just mentioned that peak experience that's one that absolutely resonates with me and it's exciting and i think it it probably would with a lot of people because it's something that is fun to do and that is also revealing from what you said. It's like, yeah, wow, there's things definitely. about that that I never really thought about. But I want to jump back to the pet treats for a minute. I would love to do something unique. And this would be a first on the podcast series because we're talking about trying to broaden awareness of the kind of the social and environmental benefit of an upcycled pet treat. What I'd like to do, if you're open to it, is to see if maybe we could create a promo code so that people who are listening to this podcast, if you've listened to this whole podcast and you're at this point and you've stuck with us, we want to reward you by saying, okay, can we give them a discount maybe on some pet treats? Because now we know they know the value of these pet treats more than just being great treats and their dogs are going to love them, but they're also doing something good for the planet. Is that something we can do? Absolutely. I'd love to, to give a discount code to our site. Let's make the code too good to waste. Great. And let's do a 25% off our site. That's fantastic thank you so much yeah that'll be cool <laughs> let us know what, uh let me know what your dogs think i'd love always hearing that feedback um and yeah all of that that's good good stuff for us that's terrific so there you have it if you uh, go onto their website and order online now this would probably be you'd have to order on your website shamelesspets.com right for in order to get this yeah it'll be specifically for our, our shamelesspets.com website Perfect. So go to shamelesspets.com and enter the promo code too good to waste and you'll get a 25% discount. That's huge. Thank you so much. I'm excited to see how that goes too, because I I really want to kind of reward the listeners and the consumers for doing something really, truly beneficial. And I think this is a way it's a win for everybody. It's a win for the planet. It's helping, you know, their pets get good 
with pet treats and uh, hopefully we help your business. So what are some of the other ways that people can find you? I know we've got the website. Are you on social? We're on uh, Instagram. Uh, we have a newsletter too on our website where we, we honestly hardly send things out, but just little company updates yeah. when we're launching new products and whatnot. Um, we're on Facebook as well. Pretty much all the standards you can find us um, in that way as well. So speaking of Instagram, Instagram, you're at Shameless Pets and on there, I'm looking at something and I got to just touch on this briefly, 2020 year in review. Oh, yes. That's so cool. <laughs> so we could have people just go there, but I'm going to tease it a little bit. Can you tell me a little <laughs> bit about some of your some of the 2020 year in review, some of the key things that you're most proud of? Yeah, I think last year our goal was to um, save 100,000 pounds of food. Um, our actual turned out to be 215,000 pounds of food. Wow. Um, yeah, that was uh, and we honestly, we, we still need to figure out ways to better you know, to track more impact and whatnot. The pounds of foods was the easiest for us to, to do right now, calculating like greenhouse gas emissions and all that can be mm -hmm. really challenging and something that we're going to work towards. But um, yeah, the pounds of food. And then we launched two new product lines last year. So we did um, a jerky item, jerky mm -hmm. product line, jerky bites, and um, our dental sticks. Um, and our jerky bites was actually a totally new supply chain for us to develop. So that was a really big undertaking working with fresh produce rather than um, fresh and dried. So the biscuits are all dried material, but our, our jerky, we take fresh sweet potatoes and, and mix it with um, frozen meat. And that's how we get to our jerky, which was a, a, a challenge. And also um, the product turned out really, really good. So I'm excited about how that turned out. That's terrific. So what I saw in that too, which is something to really, I mean, obviously I, I think you can be proud of and you deserve a lot of credit for is in a year that was probably the most challenging year for anybody, any, but most, most all businesses, you continued to excel and exceeded goals and your expectations on certain things. And I, I just, I love that you did that. And I just wanted to recognize that and acknowledge that because I think you all are on such a great path. You're welcome. And you said it briefly somewhere in there, and I want to touch on this, are cat treats in the uh, kind of in the hopper for something coming <laughs> down the road for all you cat lovers? Because there's a lot of them out there. Yes, we, you know, when I first started the brand, I so badly wanted to come out with cat treats and James um, kind of laughed at me, to be honest. He said, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. I think we're just going to stick with dog. I'm like, no, 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 we're going to make cat treats too. <laughs> so I finally snuck in there. Um, we're getting cat treats launched this year. Um, super excited to, uh, yeah, open up to that whole demographic and those, those cat lovers and to see, um, you know, I think our cats deserve treats too. So we're absolutely. Gonna do it. Absolutely. <laughs> And then, of course, guinea pigs and everything else, right? But maybe uh, alligators. No. <laughs> alligators. <laughs> they, they have plenty of treats. Just throw them an apple. Or actually, they like marshmallows. I grew up in Florida, and we had alligators. Oh, and that wow. was the thing. They said, just give them a marshmallow for whatever reason. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> that's funny. that seemed to be the alligator treats. But no, that's that's exciting. And 
This has been just a real pleasure. Thank you so much for, for all that you've shared. I've been looking forward to having you on, and this is a wonderful first episode to kick off 2021. We got a lot of great advice. We now know where to find some fantastic pet treats and cat lovers. Hang in there. Uh, pet tr- cat treats are coming. And just to review real quick, you, you did mention, I think you're going to end up be, being in Walmarts soon as well. Uh, Walmarts and Petco. And um, yeah, those are our, our big up and coming launches here. But obviously on the uh, on Amazon and Chewy and um, you mentioned one other. I just want to make sure we've got that one. Grove Collaborative. Grove Collaborative. There you yeah. go. We've got it on there. So website is shamelesspets.com, Instagram at shamelesspets, and you can find them on Facebook as well. Alex, thank you so much for your time today. This has been wonderful and happy new year and best of luck with all of your, your great initiatives this year. Thank you so much, Kevin. I really appreciate everything you're doing to, to get word out about upcycling. We, we, all us brands really appreciate that. Well, that wraps up our very first full episode of 2021, and what a great way to get the year kicked off. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Alex as much as I did, and that your pet is just begging you for some of these shameless pet treats. I think your dog will really love it, and cat lovers, hang in there. As she said, cat treats are coming just around the corner. Now, just a reminder once again about the promo they put together for us. If you go to their website, shamelesspets.com, click on shop, and order up whatever you want, you can use the promo code too good to waste when you go to check out and you'll get a 25% discount and they're going to do that through the end of February so you've got until February 28th of 2021 to take advantage of it now if you happen to enjoy this series and I certainly hope you do you can help us out tremendously by giving us a five-star rating and following us on Instagram at too good to waste underscore podcast If you've got an episode idea, by all means, send us an email. Go to our website, toogoodtowastepodcast.com and shoot us an email under the contact page. Special thanks going out to Sue Marshall for help with creative development and to Amy Gilbert, our associate producer and resident upcycled food baker. We'd also like to thank, of course, our sponsors, NetZero. You can find them at netzero.us and the Upcycled Food Association at upcycledfood.org.